You wanna make money on MMA? Let be. You wanna know who to put it in your parlay? Let be. You wanna know a DraftKings stay away? Let be. So, who has the Leslie Smith underdog pick? Who was the Mexican dude and the lesbian chick? Everybody say you mean, let's vote when the bean. Who's that out there living they dream? Let's vote when the bean. Who's that still smoking all the green? Let's vote and the bean. Come on, y'all, let me hear you scream. Let's vote and the bean. You wanna make money on MMA? Let be. You wanna know who to put in your parlay? Let be. You wanna know what DraftKings stay awake? Let be. So who has the Leslie Smith underdog pick? Who is the Mexican dude and the lesbian chick? Everybody say you mean, let's bow and the bean. Who's that out there living the dream? Let's bow and the bean. Who's that still smoking all the green? Let's bow and the bean. Come on, y'all, let me hear you scream. Let's bow and the bean. Welcome back to the show. We got a pay-per-view blowing it up all weekend long. I guess it's a horrible analogy for our Boston card. Nothing about blowing it up. I know. I felt like you have to say it like this. It's UFC Boston. Boston. Oh, I like the pa- I like the Patriots. Do they like the Patriots? Uh, the Pats. The, the Pats. Pats. The Pats. Up there in New England. The New England Patriots. Is that they like they go to Fenway. They like the Red Sox. They're <laughs> fucking wicked. I believe Lesbos spent some time up in that area. A little you bit know? up in Massachusetts, Somerville, I, Massachusetts, oh, a little bit. It sounds like you're, you're twinks from the south side, but what would I know? <laughs> from Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. I've had, a, I've had some bosses from Massachusetts. Massachusetts, they'd be like, it's not Massachusetts, it's Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> so, this... anyways, UFC Boston 220. Heavyweight bout. Headed lining the pay per view. Is there a mystique to when the heavyweights get a headline of pay per view? Is it like all of the stars aligning? Is there some extra allure to it that uh, that just makes it that much bigger and better? Because they're technically the baddest man on the planet. Regardless of who's the pound for pound, Demetrius Johnson and Francis Ngaganu get in a cage together. No holds bar. Who do you think wins? Guess you're gonna have to wait and find out. Let's start at the beginning. We're not even gonna give you any Twitter talk. And we are gonna say ahead of time, we did pre record this by a couple of days. So if some breaking crazy news has happened in UFC and we're not talking about it, that is why. And DK lines aren't out. So we're not gonna be. Lines aren't out yet. We can't give you DK. We can't pick a card for you. But. We, it will still be one of the best shows ever. Episode 70. Wah, 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 wah. I feel like there's some sort of luck on 777. Making all sorts of cash. Remember to subscribe wherever you can. And we're starting out the night on a 13-fight card with two. We got a, 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 a double debut. Getting it on early no, in the night. Both neither of guys are debuting. What? Oh wait, I'm not even at the bottom. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so another d- 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 double debut. Double D's. Starting it off right with Dan Ige versus Julio Arce. That guy's a smart arse. <laughs> we have Dynamite. I didn't we just have a Dynamite like on the last fight card? Danielle. I think Taylor, Taylor is dynamite as well. So Dan Ige, 26 years old, coming out of Hawaii, is 5'7 on an 8 1 record against Julio Arce, who's 13 2, coming out of New Jersey, 28 years old, 5'7 with a 1 inch reach disadvantage to Ige at 70 and a half inch reaches. Ige definitely comes in with a credit with a jujitsu credentials. Fighting in the F in the CFF, beating people with submissions, Kimuras, um, 
We know that a lot of those Hawaiian teams, does he have any relation to the champs out there? I feel like Hawaii is having a resurgence, not only in MMA, but also in many, many other sports. Not even resurgence, just kind of their staple of. It's not an enormous state. You got to think they know each other. But as far as like statistics wise, the island compared to um, the rest of the world, like island kids play sports. Like, they have more professional athletes off the island than, like, per state. You're the best 145-er in the world from a really small state. You don't think you fought the other 145-er in your state? You know, state? you trained. Yeah, you don't think My you trained My guess is you have. So, Ige has some a really good amount of hype uh, behind him. Ars, coming out of New Jersey, is a tough-nosed wrestler who, um, coming out of the Tiger-Schulman team, is has a really good pace on him, has good cardio, well-rounded fighter. This is actually a really well-matched fight. Coming the number one seed out of New Jersey against the 16th out of the U.S. Um, West. The West U.S. Ige, I also feel like, has connections to the California scene um, and Portland scene because that flight is really right there for them. Uh, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot... A big community in and around those areas as well. Um... Ars is out of that Schulman team who has a bunch of fighters that are up and coming in the scene. Jimmy Rivera as well, uh, saying good things about Ars. I believe that Ars is a knockout, tends to have heavier hands. He's not, he, he'll take whatever he can get. Um, those Tiger Schulman guys can get knockouts if they want to. His last one coming at a, four months ago with TKO over Petites, um, out of the ADC records. ADCs, so I've also heard mixed stuff about the Jersey guy. I think this is a really cl close, close fight. There's not enough footage on both of them. The gas tank, I do go, does go to Ars Ige is slick on the ground, on the feet. I do like Ars by a hair, um, but I think Ige eventually can get it to the ground and to his back, and once he's on your back, he really is slippery back there. I'm going to go Ige Decision, but this is a lat B play all day. Stay away from every single one of your cards when those lines come up. Uh, I think Ige is going to be the favorite in general, but there, there's money to be made in other fights. What do you think goes on in this fight? I have to tell you that too. And it, part of it has to be, uh, even though I have Ige in this, I almost didn't even want to tell you guys that because I want you to stay away from this fight so heavily. Uh and I had to learn that the hard way. There's nothing worse than the first fight of the night ruining your card. Yeah, you're already like, damn Nothing it. worse. And especially on two guys that you know nothing about. There's so many other great fights in this night. And more fun fights to watch. More fun fights to have money on. Stay away from this. Stay away. On to the next fight. We have a 145-pound bout <laughs> with Triple A, Aaron Almighty Allen versus Enrique El Fuerte Barzola. Barzola, the Peruvian fighter, fighting with a 13-3 and record coming off the Team Latin America show. What's El Fuerte mean? El Fuerte, the strong. Oh, okay. Um, Enrique, the strong Barzola. I do believe Barzola, though, is making that top team. I think he's been at top team for a little bit. He's changed in his last... As of late, He's he beat Chris Avila in a decision, which really isn't that good. Avila's out of it. And then last beat uh, Benitez in a decision... Uh, Barzolo definitely is a top-level wrestler, was in all sorts of accolades for his wrestling, has really shown over and over again that his wrestling him wins fights. He's kind of like a mini Henry Cejudo who hasn't involved his striking. We know what we're getting with Barzola, and it is um, straightforward, in and out, two-three bunch combinations, not tons of power, but he is dense. A lot of people you can see have trouble with Barzolo when he gets on the ground because he muscles through things, but he has a natural strength that it shocks people. It really does. You can watch it. It got me crazy. But with his opponent, the 12-1, 23-year-old Englishman coming out of TriStar, he's going to be two inches taller at 5'9", with a three-inch reach advantage at 70 inches. Almighty, all the way around, is just a bit bigger, and I do feel like naturally cuts him much more weight. Barzola has looked... Like, he can always lose a little bit more. But then again, he's just that stocky, thick guy where Almighty is more of that action figure-esque type of guy. But Almighty, great striking. He's got a ton of hype behind him. I really 
like the young man. He says everything right in there. He can't get into a bit of brawls when he doesn't need to in there. And he says he does it because he loves it. But on the ground, he's more than serviceable. He really has great hips, has a lot of beautiful sweeps. Barzola, though, can control you with that wrestling on top. And he's willing to win decisions by just staying on top of you. So Almighty needs to be careful with those takedowns. Um, and I do think that potentially here Almighty might be able to willing to give too many takedowns, even though Barzola doesn't shoot many. Um, if he does and realizes that he can hold Almighty on top, he'll win a decision. But striking-wise, if it stays striking, it I think Almighty starts to roll. I think that Almighty on the ground, even if he starts, he can throw up submissions in the first few rounds. His gas tank has looked a little bit weaker, and that's where also Barzola is a little uh, scary for me in that position. I see Almighty as being a huge favorite here, and I am gonna pick Allen decision, but I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna have him on a ton of stuff. I, I give Barzola more credit than people are thinking. He's in tough grinding fights and he makes people look worse than they really are. Um but the young hype on this young man should be should be seen because he has a great mentality for what's coming his way with a great team at TriStar. Sky's the limit. What do you think goes on in this one? Uh, Arnold Allen is the best thing coming out of TriStar right now. He's really the most exciting prospect um, coming out of a once great camp. I know that is going to be uh, controversial. Controversial, controversial to say the and least. There's a lot of TriStar lovers out there. Sorry, <laughs> Canada. Um, but I really love Arnold Allen. I like him everywhere here, actually. I think Barzola is a guy, sadly enough, like you're saying, um, He's not crawling the ranks very fast because he's a boring fighter. He's a boring decision fighter. He is heavy. He does get guys against the cage and just kind of lay on him. I think the gas tank a lot is in the build here. I think Arnold Allen has so much muscle that he just gasses by the third round really heavy. Um, I see what you're saying about the wrestling game. I just... I like Arnold Allen here, and Barzola doesn't do anything crazy with his wrestling. Nope. It's not, he's not Khabib going in he there. He just he's holds not, you for yes, three yes. rounds. And so um, I think Arnold Allen is a little stronger and going to be able to get out of those exchanges um, a I lot agree. of the time. And so the worry that Barzola would normally hold, um, Arnold Allen kind of alleviates for me. I do only see Arnold Allen winning by a decision here, and I think he's going to probably be one of the more expensive fighters on the card. It'll be like 8-8 eight, eight or 9-2. Uh, I think he's going to be a heavy favorite everywhere. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be worth heavy money. If you can get Arnold Allen for under 8-5 with the transitions, I do think there's going to be a lot of reversals in this fight. It's going to be high-paced. Um, Higher paced. If you can get him for cheap, put Arnold Allen on a lot of things, but I don't see any brutal finish coming from this fight. This is not a walkthrough, and I think it's being set up to be a walkthrough because they would love to have Arnold Allen as a hype train coming out of the UK. I totally Especially agree. Especially since the bone crusher's kind of falling short and Michael Bisping's retiring. You kind of, well, they got what? Darren Till? Is he Scottish or is he English? Yeah, he's English, but he has a lot of Brazilian ties because he had to move there as a kid because all sorts of interesting stuff. But, yeah, uh, yeah, Barzola, maybe a little sneaky play later on. <clears throat> I'm not convinced on that. But so, so, on to a rematch. This is a rare one that we have. We have a welterweight, Al-Hassan Verse Hamasi. This ended up being a TKO finish for Al Hassan. Was it even a month ago? Yeah. We broke this down less than a, less than a month ago. We broke this fight down and picked Al Hassan to get a TKO the last fight. And guess what? He got a TKO. Was it decisive? No. It could have went into the second round and. Al-Hassan was so incredibly gassed. I don't feel like I have to break down these guys' stats because if you listen to two shows ago, you can hear <laughs> this entire fight breaking down. Like, it happens exactly as we said it. If Hamasi can get out of the first round, he wins this fight. Al-Hassan is a one-round fighter. We saw it in this first round. Or did he finish him in the second round? No. I, I think it might have was a... Mm, either three, way... Three round? No, wait. No, it didn't go yeah, three. Yeah. Two, I think it was two. at the end of the... Maybe end of the first, right? End the of end the of... first. But he was... Al-Hassan couldn't even get up off the mat. He couldn't run around the ring and cheer. He blew his wand that match. So if he has that capacity, Hamasi's already felt it. And I feel like Hamasi was already coming back from it. The real question for me in this is... Hamasi 
didn't just fall over. He was rocked. So he still received trauma. And with that amount of trauma, win or lose, whatever you want to say, he still hasn't waited six months-ish for that TKO we usually tend to like here at Lat B. So for that reason, and that reason alone, I just think it's going to be another finish earlier. But I'm not so confident Hamasi could have learned from his mistake and stay out of that and go into the second and third round and really win a decision. But with that, with him being rocked as of late so recently, I don't think Hamasi's rested enough and Hassan is going to have a clear blitz the whole first round and then it'll be then the feud will be done what do you think goes on in this one does it happen I don't like it if Hamasi I'm going to stay away from this for this reason if Hamasi gets out of that first round and does play it smart and stays with the game plan uh then Al Hassan will be worth nothing. And he is going to be such a heavy favorite going into this fight. He'll probably be the most expensive fighter mm-hmm. on your DraftKings. I think you have a game plan until you get rocked like Al Hassan rocked Tomasi. I am nervous about him going in, but how many other times do we see fighters make it to these decisions that they get rocked on their feet a million times and they still make the decision fight again three months later and we never even think about it because it's a win on their record. True. And um, ugh, it's such a nerve-wracking fight. I'm going to have Razak KO round one. I probably won't have it too many places because I'm going to be so insecure with the decision. I agree with that, but the thing is that it could be a high score for either fighter this fight. It can be a loss for Hassan. And oh, he could just gas. It's just, yeah, it's a tentative fight. Don't go heavy on it on your DraftKings, please. Yes. Do not go heavy on but it. But I do have a first round finish. All right. On to the next one. We have Mar- Marina Moroz versus Jamie Moyle. Both of these fighters have fought in the UFC. Moyle being 4-2 against... Morose is eight and two. Morose comes coming off of a loss to Carla Esparza before that beating Daniel Taylor and before that uh, Christina <clears throat> Sitchin. Moyle's coming off of her loss to Perina. Uh, prior to that, she beat Caitlin Curran in a decision. And prior to that, she was on the Ultimate Fighter with Amanda Batacupa losing there, but also getting a couple wins over Aslan Kron and. Um, Moyles really showed that her jiu-jitsu game gets her where she needs to be in fights. The 28-year-old fighter is two years older than Moroz and six inches shorter at 5'1 for Moyle. Also, the reach advantage goes to Moyle by two inches at 67 inches to Moyle's 65. Moroz likes to keep things standing, striking. She throws 110 punches in her fights. Um, Take down the fence is getting better. She's really started to step up her game. She's coming out of Russia. She really has uh, that forward tenacity, has good hip throws. I believe she was a big, bigger upset over Calderwood submission armbar. But then prior to that, losing to Letourneau. And then again, that Esparza decision was just because Moroz was really getting out wrestled. And Moyle can do that. Moyle's not on the level of Esparza's takedown, um, but on the ground, Moyle will give you all sorts of fits. Her entries for her shots and takedowns in Moyle are better than most. And she really drives through well. She'll even, I believe, throw in a trip in there really, really well. That's sneaky. And. If it catches Moroz on the ground, I do think Moroz can't get up off the ground. And we saw it against especially Esparza. And Moyo can mimic that. Though if she can't, if Moroz can frame off of her and stop those takedowns, Moyo or Moroz can really lay it on her and not get... I don't know if I see the TKO, but I do see a thousand cuts. I do see 110 punches landed, which turns into 55 points, potentially. Maybe a knockdown in there somewhere. Uh, Moroz will have more of that power, but the submission ability goes to Moyle. I have Moroz keeping it standing and just staying away from her for three rounds. I think this turns into a boring decision. I think they both come out of it just scratched up from the constant movement. Um, and Moyle just chases Moroz around. Moroz lands his shots as they go. 
What do you think goes on in this fight? I'm not going to play it heavy either way. I don't think it's in the high score. I agree with you all day. One could go either way. I do have Moreau's decision as well, but neither girls have heavy enough output to be worth it for me, and I don't see either of them having a finish in them. I'm not worried about Moyle's ground game at all. I think Carla Esparza has shown of the last year that she's really gotten into her stride, so a loss with Carla going to decisions impressive to me um, that Carla didn't get the finish there. So I don't think Moyle's going to pull out the finish that Carla didn't. <clears throat> Danielle Taylor, the split we just talked about, we think Danielle Taylor is super heavily underrated. Um, it was an ugly split either way. I could be totally wrong on it. Danielle uh, Moreau's could have had more input and laid out a bunch more. I think this is going to be another ugly split, and I think Moreau's is the queen of the ugly split. Dirty split. Don't really put this anywhere. Dirty split. You've got that dirty split. <laughs> Girl, you need to wash your dirty split. <laughs> On to the next fight, we have Dustin Ortiz versus Andre Pantoja at 125 pounds. This is a sneaky ass fight. This is where the this is where I have to get my galoshes on. Like the water's starting to get a little oh, thicker. This is a this is such a good fight. Not a lot of people are looking out for Pantoja and Ortiz is always a fighter that most people stay away from due to that grinding wrestling style. 17 and 7 for Ortiz against the 18 and 2 Pantoja. Pantoja being a standout, winning the or being a standout on the show. I believe losing the show via decision, but has in the UFC beaten a split decision Eric Shelton and as of late some Admitted Neil Siri in a submission rear naked choke five months ago. Ortiz is coming off of a win against a TKO over Sandoval. And, you know, the bean has always been all over Mr. Ortiz. At 29 years old, the Tennessee fighter is one inch shorter at 5'4", but that is common for him. He tends to be shorter than most fighters. He also has a two inch rich disadvantage to Pantoja. Pantoja has getting all sorts of accolades and promotion stuff because he has devastating power, a really slick ground game, uh, smart IQ. That Brazilian able juice to take, flowing through his blood. Uh, yeah, uh, but he is dynamic, and he in the later rounds, he's still able to pull out very flashy stuff. And he has a really good solid base. Ortiz with every single fighter he comes in with. So Pantoja's striking specifically has beautiful knees and really can keep a fight standing if he needs to. But Ortiz with that wrestling style brings it like most other fighters don't and has only really had tons of trouble with Wilson Hayes, good wrestler, John Moraga, good wrestler, uh, Brandon Moreno, not a good wrestler, but he ended up getting caught in a triangle. He was and hit we had Brandon Moreno as we our did. Leslie he Smith was hit, underdog pick on that card. Yes, uh, he hit him with a knee that set that up. But Makovsky um, being a wrestler was a hard one. Sandoval was another wrestler that he that he just beat as of late. But Pantoja isn't that wrestling scene, so this can turn into a super disgusting wrestling match. But Pantoja on the ground is so slick that when Ortiz eventually decides to get it to the ground. Um, there could be a flash submission ability. Ortiz as well has great take down, take down the fence. If not take down the fence on the ground, he's more than serviceable. Can really uh, put up a fight anywhere. Has crazy scrambles. Dustin Ortiz, Ortiz for me is legendary in his scrambles. Uh, just watch him. He can put five, six combination ground transitions over, which is rare. He has a gas tank that does go for three days. I... I'm going to pick Pantoja decision. My heart says Ortiz, but I do see Pantoja really using those knees against. And striking-wise, Ortiz is a little rudimentary. We've seen it from him. He's just not making those next big steps. He really relies on his wrestling more than anything. So if you can stifle a lot of his takedowns, which do slow down, even though he spams them a lot, um, Pantoja, I think, has a type of timing to really be Flash-esque type of a knockout where it's one of those Edson Barbosa type of knees and or elbows. Um, I think Ortiz is starting to get found out. I really had him on a hype train for a long time, but he hasn't adapted his style enough that if I'm seeing it, they're seeing it, and that ain't good for anybody. How do you feel this one ends out? Ends you know, up. I had Dustin going into this, and I also, like, looking at it and looking at all their past matches, Brandon Moreno got submitted 
by uh, Pantoja. Dustin Ortiz was submitted by Moreno. I like to do my little... MMA uh, math. MMA <laughs> math there. And what used to be Ortiz with me, I also agree. He just hasn't taken the... You, you see these certain people grow and they're on certain levels of growth. And I just don't see... He kind of falls into this weird place like Bruce Leroy with me. Where, uh-huh. yeah, he's a name. He's always going to be a prelim fighter. I just don't see him making the jump into the top ten. Unfortunately, I feel like that's totally spot on. That all being said, if Pantoja wins this fight, put the coal in the hype train... Because this is, the, the the styles make fights. This is his Achilles heel, the style-wise. And Dustin Ortiz is good enough at that grinding style to take Pantoja in the later rounds to really prove his worth with a guy with a lot of experience. I think this makes Pantoja better, win or lose. And I do also agree with you. I think it's going to be a boring decision. Two exciting fighters, really weird matchup. They're not going to be good dancing partners, but I might... Pantoja, I can see him being hella expensive on DraftKings just staring at the records, the win-loss records. I can see him being super expensive. If you can get him for cheap enough, put Pantoja everywhere. In the boringness that we're saying that this could turn out, that's a possibility. It could also turn out to be fight of the night. That potential is also there because they do have such... Explosive styles in their own ways. I think they're both explosive enough that they're going to, one of them cancel each other, Uh hurt each other, go into the clinch. Yeah. Every time. One of the, both fighters comfy. Or not. Or not. We'll see. That's the loveliness of the fight game. Like it, yeah. But my job here is to predict what I think. I think it's going to be boring. Boring decision fight. There's potential for a good fight. Even though I think it's going to be boring and I think it's going to be a grind, I think there's going to be a, maybe more transition points. I think we're gonna see a ton. It's maybe the most transition points of the night that they're which gonna they're get. giving what is it like two points per yeah, reversal? Yeah, better than a per punch reversal. At this point. Yeah, reversal points. Ortiz can be good for those kind of things with those crazy scrambles that he tends to get into. But yeah, I'm edging Pantoja slightly on there. So on to the next one. We have Kyle Bochniak versus Brandon Davis, the debut one forty fiver. Seven and two for Bochniak against the eight and three. Davis, Davis is the killer B. I who else is the killer B? Uh, uh Beyonce. <laughs> oh, she's the queen B. That's the queen B. The queen B. Uh, the Ben Saunders, killer B Ben Saunders as well, I believe. So Bachnak, the cr- crash, is thirty years old to the twenty-seven year old. He's also three inches shorter and has a one-inch reach disadvantage. Bachnak to Davis. Davis debuting has his last win four months ago, a decision, but has had a couple TKOs and submissions along his career. He's coming out of Mississippi, coming out of the Alan Belcher MMA club, which Alan Belcher had a career in the UFC back in the day and chose to go another way. But there's that UFC ties and experience. Alan Belcher does know how to get somebody ready, has had multiple other fighters succeed in the UFC. Bochniak is coming out of Broadway Jiu-Jitsu MMA, coming out of Boston, Massachusetts, the local boy. He looks like a Bostonian. He, yeah, I said, he looks like he'd be like, get over here, you fucking something racist. He's got a lot to deal with. Um, he has had a few fights in the UFC last loss five months ago to Jeremy Kennedy, but prior to that, he beat Enrique Barzola in a split decision, and prior to that, he lost to Charles Rosas in a decision. Um... This young man can also finish you standing or submit you well-rounded. He's coming into his own. He's may have a run or two in the UFC. His win against Barzola was really telling in his takedown defense and able to keep the fight at distance where he was able to control it. So his uh, range was really, really good and his takedown defense was better than most. His ground game, he was able to get up as well when he needed to. Davis also likes to get in there and bang, um, but he'll snap on to the submission if he sees it. I just see that Bochniak already has had so much more experience, and these two guys, I feel like they're feeding Bochniak, being the local Massachusetts guy, a little bit of a fight. They're giving him someone he can beat uh, coming off of a loss. 
I don't know if he's really that sellable though because the decisions he does win even when they're splits and stuff, uh, he never really goes for the finish. He does try to outpoint you more than anything. He doesn't isn't specifically good at takedowns. Um, his takedown defense stands out more, but he again picks you apart from a distance. I think that this stays a decision, Bosniak, and uh, again, this one is going to turn out to be a little bit more boring than some of the other ones on the night. What do you think goes on in this one? Bosniak is being set up to finish the fight. Bostonians are crazy. They like a good fist fight. I guarantee there's going to be fights in the arena. Um, they're probably going to start showing up early, and this is why they have this, to get that gate, get people start filling in there. Total local guy. He's probably huge on the local scene. Brandon Davis has only really beat guys. He's gone to decision with some guys with winning records, but he's only beat guys with crazy losing records. Like, uh -huh. they won one fight, lost ten. Yep. Like, people that are just set up to set up the other guy. He's the number one featherweight in Mississippi. That don't mean shit to me. Take it <laughs> out of here, Brandon Davis. You ain't ready for the UFC. And I think Kyle Bochniak... <laughs> Has been in there a little longer. We're going to go experience on this. I don't think the fight's going to be crazy. I do think it's going to go to decision as well. But Bochniak could get a finish. It's going to be exciting for the fans. It's going to be hushing them up because there's gonna they're going to need something exciting after the boring wrestling match that they're going to see yeah. for um, the Pantoja decision versus Ortiz. So... Put Pachniak on a few things. He might be cheap. Yeah, they're all going to see it. Everybody's going to see that. There's I, no way. I think so, too. I think he's going to end up being a pretty yeah. good-sized favorite in if that he's one. he's a hella favorite, don't put him in <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. So, on to the next one. We have Gleason Tebow versus Islam Makalchev. Gleason Tebow, longtime veteran, is 32-12 and 12, uh, with... Over 15 fights in the UFC, somewhere in that range against Makalchev's 14-1. The Russian fighter receiving his only loss in the UFC to Andriano Martins TKO two years ago. But prior to that, he's had a two-fight winning streak beating Chris Wade a year ago and Nick Lentz a decision 10 months ago. Makalchev is 26 years old, coming in eight years younger than the 34-year-old Tebow. The reach advantage goes by half a point to Tebow, or half an inch at 71 and a half inches. We know what we're getting with this Russian, out of the fight spirit, um, fighter, looping punches, definitely wrestling heavy, really goes in there and uh, takes you down and holds you on top position, lands punches wherever he can, will go for a submission if it's there. His striking is good he does throw spinning attacks to the bodies i believe there's a lot of spinning kicks in there um but it's because he is confident in his ground game gas tank he does slow down a bit but it is you more have to catch him with a big punch to really start to hurt this young man makashev is on a streak for a reason he's going to be a heavy favorite against the Long veteran coming off of the two-fight losing streak over two years ago, Gleason Tebow. This is also a poster boy for the t -t TRT and or other stuff. Um, legendary interviews with people saying Gleason Tebow is one of the biggest human beings you'll ever see in your life. Like He walks around like 200 pounds and cuts down 155 pounds and it's not... Like, he goes to 185 the next day. He It's unbelievable that he's still making 185 pounds. Whatever system he has, whatever thing he does, he's going to end up making money selling his system to other professional athletes on how to get away with some sort of cheating. Because there's no way when you see that guy that he makes 185 pounds. And I would say, watch out for the weight. T-Bow might have a hard time. He he's coming two years off. Fight. Ooh, interesting. So... I think Michael He Shev, has two years off. You know why? That TRT and getting all that clean out of his system. He was talking about two years ago already becoming a so bread the maker. system he may sell? Yeah. It was called cheating. And it's already been found out. And that's why he had to take two years off. It's two-year-old cheating. They've made so many advances now just with Usada testing. Right. Who knows what he's coming in with? Is he just collecting a paycheck knowing he's going to lose a percentage of it later on because he's going to pop? He was talking about multiple times though T-Bow has already about like having a bread shop and like doing retiring. So anytime anyone's talking about that, it's because he got into the real world and is like, I can make 50 grand and I win or lose. I might lose, but it's better than just doing the same old job over and over again. And 
he has had a long career even though he is younger he has a lot of those mma miles on him and he's already slowed down a bit he does have heavy power has great hips some of the best takedown defense in the game from t-bow uh crazy guillotine choke incredibly incredibly strong can go three rounds but if there has been a weakness early in his career was his gas tank and i think as of late that's what's going to really start to affect him more than anything as well especially with this usada testing uh not only was it the weight cutting he did it was the insane gas tank he had while you he put so much streaks together, being clean against a Russian. Um, I think you're going to get mauled by a bear, Gleason T-Bow, and it's going to be a decision, if not TKO, round three, Makhlashev. Who do you got in this one? I can see Makhlashev really finishing this everywhere except for the power. I actually think he has the better hands. I think he has the better ground game. It's really just T-Bow's power, power, power. It is like you're getting mauled by a bear that first round, in my opinion. I know the Russian bear thing. <laughs> right. um, I don't see Makhlashev, even though he does have that same style like Khabib. He just doesn't have that power. Um, this is going to be a boring decision. I can't believe it. I'm so excited about 220, but I just have a feeling that we're going to have to wait until the very last fight of the night because even the co-main event, I'm thinking, nah, it could be. Nah, it's going to be a finish either way. Both of the last two fights will be finishes. So this is going to be a boring decision. Makashev, I feel like it's a pretty safe bet. I think you can put him everywhere, though, on your cards, and I don't think it'll be too expensive. I think he's going to end up being expensive as shit. Cause if he's too expensive, he's not going to be worth it. Yeah, it's agreed. It's going to be a grinding style fight. Exactly, just it's being on top more than anything. So, moving to light heavyweights, we get on to the main card. That was our uh, fight pass main event. So, now we're on to the pay-per-view. And this is a disgusting was it, opener. Is it, is it a fight pass main event? It's not FS1 anymore? Um... It might be an FS1. It, that might have been an FS1. Prelim main event. A prelim main event. It was, a, yeah, before we get into the pay-per-view, but we for sure have made it to the main card. We are on the big money fights, and this is the disgust, most disgusting way to start an event. Pay-per-view. You are right on that. Oh, my God. This is like, such a gross UFC fight. UFC 220, are you ready? <laughs> okay, we're going to start with Volante and Barroso. Barro two guys that are barely hanging on to careers in my eyes as far as where they're going to go in the UFC. Uh... 15 and 9, John Violante is a longtime friend of Chris Weidman, a longtime wrestler. Definitely doesn't use his wrestling nearly as much as he should in there. Uh, Barroso's 37 year old, 19 and 6 fighter. The taller fighter is Volante with 2 inches at 6'2, also having a 1 inch reach at 60, 76 inches. Bar I feel like Volante is going to be a big favorite on top. I'm seeing Volante is a big favorite. Barroso is slow, slowing down. He lost to Stewart. He lost to Krylov. He's beat um, Muntanchanch, who's out of here. He beat Stewart the second time around. He lost to Rec. I hate Francimar Barroso. I don't think he should be in the UFC 100%. And the only reason that I could ever even imagine of picking Francis Barroso would be against a chitty finer, chinny fighter, and that is exactly who we have oh, with Gian Volante. Oh, I thought you said Volante. chitty fighter. Oh, no, I said chinny, because I feel like Volante does have skills, but regardless of skills, he has zero gas tank, and he, he, he's been put down with jabs multiple times in his career, with jabs, jabs, and Francis, Francis Barroso can eat a shot to give a shot. He does it all the time. The problem with him is a really good fighter can take that shot and finally get through him, where Barroso's wrestling has also actually been more serviceable than I'd like to let on. Um, ugh, I really fucking hate Francis Barroso. I just do not trust Vilante's chin. I think Barroso could potentially lose the first two rounds, land in third round, finish it. If not, Barroso can land any random punch uh, Volante just Art. has a niche. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, oh, so I'm going to pick Barroso. He's going to be the underdog here, and it's going to be a big underdog for me. But, um, yeah, I just, it's Volante's chin. Can't trust it. What do you think goes on? He lets me down more than he, than he is. I don't me. have this deep-seated hatred for Barroso like you do, but he's not one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> he's garbage. I don't usually pick him in fights. But it's easy for me to pick him with a KO finish against Volante. A night-night KO sleeping finish. And it's so weird because I never see him finishing anyone. But it's just the way Volante's chin works. It should never be hit by another man. Uh, 
So I'm going to go with round three, but that's just to remind me to kind of stay away from it because I don't trust Barroso at all, but I don't see Volante finishing Barroso anywhere, and I can't imagine a winning decision because he gets so winded. It, Barroso, uh, it's so crazy. I almost feel like nuts. it's a pretty safe bet, too, for your DraftKings. And I, yeah, I feel like he's going to be a wager gauger slash lappy play all day. Ugh, and I hate it. I fucking hate Barroso. There's other, there's other places. <laughs> so, with other places, we're going to a fun one. Getting to Shane Burgos versus... Calvin Qatar. Burgos is coming in with a perfect 10-0 record. Not coming in. He's already had a few fights in the UFC. Coming in with a three-fight streak decision to Tractor, then knocking out Charlie Rosas eight months ago and beating Godofredo Pepe in a decision five months ago. Uh, Burgos has had a ton of hype on him, tons of power. Against a 17-2, Qatar, who's coming in with a 17-2 record, also beating Andre Touchy Feely as of five months ago in his debut being a big upset there. Uh, the Massachusetts Methew? Methew? Do you know that area in Massachusetts? Methew in Math. No. Methew in Mathathusis. <laughs> so, Qatar has already shown that. Feely is uh, not an easy fight at all whatsoever, but the. Older fighter at 29, Burgos comes in with a bit more experience. And the taller fighter being Burgos at 5'11 with an inch also has a 3.5 inch reach for Burgos at 75.5 inch reaches to Qatar. Qatar definitely likes to get in there and out-wrestle you. Uh, has a great pace, has great cardio. If there was a thing as wrestling-centric, that is Qatar. He actually has good strikes as well, can stay on the outside and really picks uh, the way that he enters not necessarily on his shots, but into his entries to just even get you up on the cage or stifle you and uh, just change things up really well. Very well-rounded fighter on the ground. He's elusive and he ha can get up off of his back, if not throw submissions from weird places to make you react. Um, but really good hips in Qatar. Qatar is somebody who I think should be fighting somebody else in Burgos right now because Burgos is on a good hype train and I think Qatar could be other fighters as well, and these guys could potentially see themselves a little bit later on because Qatar's somebody to watch out for. Unfortunately for him, Burgos right now, it definitely those heavy hands help, but his wrestling uh, hips or his wrestling takedown defense has been great. His the, when he gets he can get up off of the ground. Um, he's not really into the submissions as much, even though he can defend fairly well. He has tons of powers and it power and it shows. In every single one of his fights. Uh, I think Burgos is easily going to be a favorite here. I'm going to go with Burgos. I'm not. I'm going to go round two. Maybe round three. If not, it's just a decision. Just because I'm giving Qatar a lot of credit. Qatar is not a walkthrough. Do not think this is a walkthrough fight. Qatar could be an underdog for a lot of plays here in a decision. I don't see the finish for Qatar. But I do see Burgos having more than his hands full here. Um, don't, don't sleep. Don't sleep on Qatar. How do you feel about this one? I see Burgos being a heavy favorite everywhere. And I have to say I'm going with the Boston kid. And I'm going to go with Qatar. Not a lot of people act good in front of their hometown crowds. Yeah, that's different for Bostonians. Especially against a fucking New Yorker. Interesting, uh, interesting. So there's no way Shane Burgos is coming in to Calvin Qatar. Two things are happening here. One, in my opinion, Burgos is a little overrated. Calvin Qatar is a little underrated. I always like an underrated fighter. So I'm going to go with Qatar. I know he's a crazy underdog on this fight, but I'm feeling okay about it. Ooh, listening to the bean because I'm said that. Hey, I, I think that that's, there's value in that play because there's not going to be value in Burgos. He's got tons of hype with that undefeated streak in his finishes. Um, he's going to be a heavy, heavy favorite and uh, watch out. Moving on to 135 pounds, we have Thomas Alameda versus Rob Font. Both of these fighters have had multiple fights in the UFC. Alameda being 22-2 against the 14-3 Font. The taller fighter is going to be Font at 5'8 with a 1-inch reach disadvantage to Alameda. Alameda is definitely one of the longer-armed fighters in the sport. Um, Definitely Alameda's record is a little padded to me. Um... I definitely have made some money off that Cody Garbrandt. Everyone thought I was crazy. And then Cody went out to win it. Um, but either way, I remember when people were calling me crazy on Twitter over a year ago being like, really? 
That guy's gonna beat him out like straight punches, straight punches. So we know what we get with Alameda. He's a Muay Thai phenom, loves to throw knees, loves to throw that looping left, looping right with tons of power in it. But if you know that's coming, you can evade it. Jimmy Rivera did the exact same thing. If Jimmy Rivera wasn't outside of the range, he was so far inside with his grappling that those punches couldn't land. And Alameda just looked like a fish out of water out there. He just got out grappled, got picked apart with slow punches. He was never going to in any danger of being finished uh to my recollection too much but um he wasn't in any position to really win those fights at any position rob font though does like to keep these fights standing uh he has sneaky power rob font has also got great head movement and a sneaky sneaky jab which i feel like alameda is exposed against the good jabber with his burying his head a little bit more um and or his looping punches a good jab is a great counter to one of those and I Rob Font just throws a really clean one too and this is a really interesting stylistic matchup because they're both strikers on the ground I'm actually going to give it to Rob Font as well I feel like he's a purple or brown belt something like that but he's his wrestling wise he doesn't use it as much as he should and Alameda has been again exposed Rob Font can take it there if he wants to. Unfortunately for him, he does keep fights standing if he if even if he's losing at times. Um, and Alameda, that's where he shines specifically in those brawls. But I think Alameda, due to being the fan favorite and his style and whatever, Font's coming off of a loss to Munoz submission, which two months ago, which Munoz is not a nobody. Font racked off two wins prior to that, um, only losing to Lineker in a unanimous decision as well. I'm going to have the underdog. I know I'm going to have another underdog here, but I think Alameda's exploitable. I think Alameda is a hero in his gym and has stayed in his gym and not grown outside of it. And Rob Font is definitely in the States getting it dirty out of Boston. I got another local boy coming through for you, underdog, tonight. Rob Font, what do you think goes on in this You don't line? have another local boy. This is your first. Oh, and I, I think well, I met uh, <laughs> we as in Lat B. Lat B cumulatively. <laughs> How do you know who I picked yet? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I have Rob Font, too. I can't believe he's going to be such a heavy. I do think he will be an underdog. I can't believe it. I think every minute that this fight goes on, Rob Font becomes the more and more favorite. Thomas Alameda has zero gas tank. He puts everything into his punches at the beginning, throws heavy right away. And I think if Rob Bont can outlast the initial barrage, I think he'll be fine. Uh, the one thing that worries me about Rob Bont is I think he has a soft body. Ah, that's a good point. And that's a great point. I, Thomas Alameda has a crazy, I'm not worried about any kicks or knees. He has a crazy good punch to the body. Uh -huh. That's the only thing I can actually see happening for Alameda finishing this fight is catching Rob uh, Font with, to a, with a crazy body shot. It's a good call. Other than that, I think Font's a sneaky good play for a decision here. Agreed, agreed. So we collectively do think Rob Font is another local boy to win. Another one. So that also could be a lap B underdog pick of the week potentially for us. So... On to the co-main event of the night. We have Daniel DC Cormier, announcer, former title. I get, well, he's the uh, current belt holder at 205 pounds. Only lost last to JBJ, who was stripped five months ago, against the 15-1 and brand new no time Volkan Ostemir has definitely had a meteoric rise beating uh fighters as of five months ago Jimmy Manoa a mediocre rise he shot off like a no did SpaceX. I say medi meteoric did uh, I not say did I say mediocre I thought you said mediocre <laughs> oh, I thought I said media <laughs> meteoric like pew. but yeah he was like that SpaceX blowing up in the atmosphere he's definitely we, we aren't allowed to talk about that <laughs> I do feel like um Ozdemir has you are the one of the biggest people that have sold me against Ozdemir. I may have seen his mega power and been like, ooh. What? If I've picked Ozdemir every time. Have you? Oh, I thought you sold always. me against him. No, always. I'm the one who sold you for Ozdemir, for Ozdemir. but you picked Jer Jimmy Manawa. True, 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 true. But don't even try to put me against were you, were you the one that was telling me, though, that Ozdemir also beat up guys who had no chins? Because that's two guys he had no goddamn chins now that you look at it. Now that I look at it, Misha, 
no gin, Chirkinov. And you had Chirkinov. Me, I had that too. I had that too. I had Ozdemir in that. And I had Ozdemir in the Jimmy Manoa fight because I thought both guys had no chin. Went to decision with Ovan St. Preux. Also heavy hitter. But um, those are his only three fights. Those are top-level fighters um, in a low division. But the 28-year-old 6'2 fighter is going to be three inches taller than the 5'11 Dan Cormier. He's also going to have a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage at 75 inches for Ozdemir. Ozdemir has heavy hands, and he was actually Rumble Johnson's number one training partner. When nobody can find Johnson training partners, Ozdemir was a guy. He's been an American top team for a long time. Apparently, those charges have somehow been taken care of because at no He's time not a is. Black Zillion? Ozdemir? No. Oh, Black Zillions are no more, though. Yeah, did he go to American he, Top Team or did he, he go either or the arm armory or one of those? But he's a Florida guy. He's definitely been in the states for a while. He's not doing any crazy training. Um, he's been in the states for a while now, but he's, he's a Swiss man in Florida. He's not um. He's not new to UFC because a lot of UFC, like Anthony Johnson, getting ready for DC. Ozdemir was his main training partner for that. He's he's been in all of these big Orlando or Florida gyms. DC, though, next level wrestler. If Anthony Johnson can't knock you out, Volkan Ostemir is not going to knock you out. Dan Cormier has the shed, the head perfectly to be able to take that. As you were saying earlier, I, if there is a soft spot for Cormier, I think it might be the body as well. Um, but other than that, I see the wrestling taking over for Daniel Cormier. Uh, he does it to everybody. Look at every single one of Daniel Cormier's fights. Underhook. To punches, to a takedown, to a body lock, to a transition. Habib does it. Uh, Rockhold does it. Which AKA Rockhold? Style. A, Rockhold is with Ozdemir at ATT right now, is he not? I think so. So I that's where. Right. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So um, Rockhold is giving info, supposedly, or as some other people have said, disinfo. Disinformation specifically been going out there potentially, but even with the disinfo. Daniel Cormier has such a wrestling pedigree and has been able to pick up anybody he's wanted from heavyweight to 205 down that I don't think that Ozdemir is going to come in here and out-wrestle him. Um, that strike as well can land for anyone. Daniel Cormier has taken better shots to John Jones. It took John Jones two fights to be able to do that to him, and uh, Ozdemir isn't going to do it in one, I think. And still, DC Daniel Cormier is in a big leap out there. I think he's going to probably be a two-to-one or two to one favorite. Easy in my eyes. I got DC for the win. If not a finish, this is a five-rounder. Um, probably put him on your DK if he's not too expensive. I think Daniel Cormier gets this one. What do you feel like goes on in this fight? I totally disagree. I think this is the guy... I don't even want to say that this is the guy that finishes Daniel Cormier because for all intents and purposes that everyone's saying now is John Jones was probably clean in his last fight and he knocked DC out. I think Ozdemir hits a hell of a lot harder than John Jones. He might not be as fast. He might not be as tricky. But John Jones is getting beat up the first round of that fight a little bit, the very first part of that fight. That was getting sketchy for John Jones. Yeah. And then DC, um, you know, kind of got that ass whooping that may or may not have been from some sort of steroid. Anyway, all that being said, Volkan Ozdemir is no joke, and he's a, probably one of the only guys that cuts down from as heavy as DC cuts down. He's a huge friggin' man with crazy power. I do think he has Rumble Johnson power. I think Rumble Johnson, the difference between Vol I think Ozdemir beats Rumble because Rumble has no gas tank and he has quit in his heart. He's retired, and then he was going to retire before that fight even happened, fought that fight just to get the paycheck, and now he's coming back again? Give me a break. So um, I think Daniel Cormier kind of has a sketchy record as far as I'm concerned he is you know beating Anderson Silva walking in off at the park bench is not impressive there was the split with um Alexander Gustafsson but he's not a power puncher so Anthony Johnson's the only power puncher that he went against and he only had to worry about that was power for about 45 seconds I think Vulcan Oldsdemir has a lot more going for him than Anthony Johnson and he's young and he's hungry and I think he has a shocking amount of power. DC was knocked out five months ago. That's nervous for a dude that's never been knocked out. Now he's going in for the first time. 
he's going to be a little ball shy. And Ozdemir has a little more power in his hands than John Jones did in that first round. I think it's going to be stunning. And I think it's going to make him a little nervous and a little hesitant. And that hesitation, it's going to cost him the fight. Ozdemir wow. KO, round one. And new. And new. And new. So I know that's a crazy that's underdog. A, that's. But I've been. Wow. I like to start. Like wow. get on the hype trains before everyone else, and this wow. is one I'm not gonna jump jump off of before everyone. Else. I still haven't been on it. I've yeah, been against still, him every, every time. time. Every I've picked up every time. Thinking DC. All right, the main event. We if that wasn't good enough for you, that one's wow. gonna be a fun one. We have These, a potential fight of the year. Fights on this card. Let's be real. For real. For real. <laughs> for real. So we have Stipe Music, Sipe Miocic first Francis. My Niganu himself, the Predator. This has been somebody we've been hyping for a long, long time. He's finally making his shot against uh, the defending, almost all-time long defending. Stipe Miocic defended the belt already, is it two, three times? Two times, but the heavyweight belt has only ever been defended twice consecutively, so he breaks the record with this, and... What a hell of a straw to draw. You have to fight Francis Naganu um, in this fight. 11-1 for Naganu against Miocic's 17-2. The younger fighter at 31 years old is Naganu. They're both the same size at 6-4 with 83 inches for Naganu to 80 inches for Miocic. Virtually identical in height. But I feel like the muscle mass Naganu Virtually looks... Virtually identical. <laughs> Naganu looks like an action figure where Miocic looks like a corn of the mill, corn husker, just regular dude. Uh, American at heart, Polish descent. The 35-year-old wrestler definitely uses his wrestling when he needs to, but has power in his hands. Um, granite chin can get hit in fights, but... Tends to stay in there and uh, has been a hell of a fun ride for him getting here. He still have never stopped being a firefighter, a great person. Um, but is it Naganu's time? Naganu has really splat, made a huge splash, a tidal wave in the UFC. He's been everywhere. He's definitely uh, finished everybody. I recently picked against him. I had been on him for so long, only picked against him twice against him week. I don't want you to tell him unless they like and subscribe. Oh. <laughs> okay, you can tell him now. Now I can tell him. I only picked him, or I picked him again, over him against him. But I don't know if I can really put that into my head. Like, do I have an excuse for that? Because it was so short of a fight that did you really see anything learned from Francis Ngannou? That he can make a grown man into a Pez dispenser. That is a re- new skill of his. Um, you know what? That oh. same man that you're questioning. This is the like the rock paper scissors of MMA math here. Oh right. Steve A. Knocked out Alistair Overeem too. Sure. That being said, Steve was knocked out on his fucking feet fighting Alistair Overeem, and I haven't forgot that. He, I thought he was finished for a second. If uh, Alistair I, I can do tapped. that to Steve I thought he tapped. <laughs> <laughs> if Alistair can do that to Steve, France is gonna do it to Steve. Oh man. I know you think it's a double debut, but I think it's a double and new. Oh man. I got Naganu on everything. I can't believe Steve is gonna be such a huge underdog. Yeah, he's already the under. The lines are out. Cormier's the favorite, and Steve is uh the underdog. Stipe can use his wrestling, but we have seen Naganu already against the Brazilian state champion be able to get up off that. But Miocic is a Cornhusker. He's definitely got loads better wrestling in there than Naganu. I want to go with Stipe Music. I like him. I think he's... Ugh. I've had him. I'm going to flip and flop. I'm going to pick multiple cards with either one of these fighters, but I think that you're right I'm not as confident as you are. I really am not. Um, this is a top the, Who can take the attack of Francis? I a do good not think it's a small heavyweight. Uh, a small heavyweight. A small heavyweight. So it's... Ugh, 
I don't like any cuts of this. And I I love Stipe Miocic. I love him. I he I love him as the freaking champion. Yep. I wish there was separate weight classes here so he could stay the champion and Francis could just murk every big MFer in the world. This is such a bad fight for Stipe. I don't know if we ever see him again after this fight. I think he Injury retires. Because of this granite chin, which it's not really granite, it's just granite for a weak ass chin division. And <laughs> <laughs> so it just looks really amazing. <laughs> but because that chin is that much better, that's that many more brutal punches he's going to have to take. And I think it just makes him a different man. He has a beautiful wife that loves him. Man. He has a great life. He, he's an American. He's a firefighter. He'll always be the Ohio champ. But this is still... I'm going to end up going with Nagano TKO round two. But this either this isn't going five rounds. This one ain't right. There's no way this is either fighter. This ain't going five rounds. That's the only way I see Steve A winning is that we don't know what the gas tank of Nagano's like in round But three he finishes it, it, right? But he finishes it if he gets it there and he outtires him. Because he's going to be a dead Goliath. He's just going to be like, ah, oh, get off me. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, this is such a humongous fight. I don't know. We're going to have to put it out a little bit early. We're doing our predictions a little enough early. So you guys better be following us at Lesbo and the Bean on Twitter. You better, for anything Lesbo and the Bean needs, lesboandthebean.com. And there's a big yellow button to find your feed. Lesbo and the Bean!